morning, Tim, and welcome to the Low Carb Paleo Show. Yeah, good morning, Monsieur Mark. Good morning, Mark. How are you today? Wonderful, thank you. Can't complain at all. Well, I could, but, you know, no one's listening to complaints these days. So why do we bother? Let's just be positive. Yes. That's right. And and with that, uh, also, of course, good morning, Alan. Sorry, didn't mean to skip right over you. Just uh, looking at the screen, looking right at Mark. And uh, (laughs) it's the first person that came to mind. Right. Uh, He's probably more handsome than I am. So that's what I understand. Oh, this is the point where we're supposed to say, no, of course I'm not. You're the most handsome. Uh, (laughs) In my head, I think so. Okay. Um, Tim, as a quick reminder, you and your wife, Susan, uh, are the co-founders of Mammoth Creameries, making keto ice cream, which is uh, something completely new to me. So we'll talk, um, we'll get some more background. On that, uh, first of all, how did you come up with this idea? Yeah, yeah, for for sure. Um, well, you know, we the question you ask is how did I come up with the idea? But but really, I did not come up with this idea. It was all Susan, my wife. She is a you know she is the founder of this company. She is the mastermind behind the product. Uh, it's it's I. I actually kind of just got lucky that she was, you know, kind enough to hire me on when she just started to sign the company. So it, uh, it is the, you know, the man behind the woman, 100%. Um, and, you know, I get this question a lot, you know, like naturally, you know, and I'll get into the story in a little bit, you know, people assume that I came up with this idea and man, I, I mean, I wish I could take this credit, but I'm just, I'm not that smart, you know, like now looking back, it's an obvious thing and an, an obvious way of progression that we that we took but yeah i i am could have never thought outside the box in the way she did and and the way it all started and i'll I'll get into it and i think it's really important is uh that uh about seven years ago we found out through a a pretty dramatic way that uh i was an undiagnosed type one diabetic which you know i mean there's nothing good about that and and the really strange thing is you know i i I, I became type one diabetic really late in my life. You know, I was what, 30, I don't know, not 30, 20, 28, 29 years old. So it's pretty uncommon to develop type one diabetes at that age. And, and also we have just no history in, in my family of type one diabetes. So, you know, type one diabetes being a genetically triggered thing, you know, a lot of doctors are like, oh, you know, it's genetic, it's, it's in your family. You know, which is, so I hear what they're saying, but I don't know if I agree with it because again, nobody else in my family has ever had or developed type 1 diabetes at any stage of their lives. And we've looked, you know, as far as we could into medical records. So it's a little bit of a mystery, but, uh, but yeah, to, you know, so we found out I was diabetic and, you know, I, the way we found out was I was extremely sick for, for probably two years and ended up in the hospital in the ICU and DKA, diabetic ketone acidosis, which is like, I mean, that is as bad as it really gets, right? The, the next step is, is, is death when it comes to diabetes. And, uh, you know, when we're leaving the hospital, you know, again, everything is completely new to us. We, we weren't really into, you know, watching our nutrition. You know, we were pretty young with young kids. So, you know, we were just living life and eating, you know, the standard American diet, you know, pasta, pizza, bread, beer, 
not, not so much the kids on the beer, but, you know, <laughs> Susan, Susan and I, um, and, you know, we, I mean, we're definitely aware of, you know, everything in moderation and, you know, sugar is not necessarily good for you. So we were aware of that, but it just, since it didn't really have an impact on our health and how we felt, at least we thought we, you know, we didn't really bother, you know, ever looking at what that actually means. And so when I left the hospital, I, you know, I'd been sick for about two years prior. I, I was extreme. I'd lost a lot of weight. I was uh, 130 pounds from an original, you know, an average weight of 180 pounds. So I was really, really skinny. And leaving the hospital, the, you know, I didn't get much guidance or instructions. They're just kind of like, hey, just, you know, continue your normal American diet, but now you got to inject insulin. And that is, I mean, that is probably the, the bulk of what they told me. It's like, okay, you know, again, at the time, it just didn't mean anything to me. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. And uh, so we, you know, we learned how to live our life, you know, with me being diabetic. And at first we, you know, we didn't really make any changes, right? Because they didn't, I mean, there was no need to, they said, just inject insulin, which by that, you know, that by itself is, is a massive change. And, you know, so we'd eat the pasta and eat the pizza and drink the beer. And I would just give myself insulin injection and leaving the hospital at 130 pounds within 11 months, I ballooned up to 255 pounds. And none of this was muscle. It was just straight from using insulin and continuing on an you know, average American diet, I would say. And, uh, and, you know, throughout that time, I was, you know, starting to see an endocrinologist, which is, you know, a diabetic doctor who, you know, kind of explains things to you and what, what have you. And, and throughout that 11 months of me gaining weight, you know, the most, most of the time that doctor was saying, like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, your body's getting used to it. It's cool, man. Just don't worry about it. It'll, it'll come around. And, uh, you know, after 11 months, there was absolutely no sign of it coming around or it, my body getting used to it. And ultimately what really was just like the light bulb was when that doctor says like, hey man, you're 255 pounds, it's pretty aggressive weight gain. And also, you know, your blood pressure is, is terrible, man. We got to start thinking about putting you on statins. And uh, to me, that was just like the ultimate, like, oh, hell no. Like what is going on? Like, I understand I was sick before we found out I was diabetic, but I've met, like, I've been always been a healthy, active, athletic person. Like, did, none of this made sense. This weight gain didn't make sense. And me having to go on statins didn't make sense. I was like, what is happening? And like, and all of this within an 11 month time period. And, and during that 11 month, you know, I, it's like the first time in my life where I actually started looking at nutrition. And even though we weren't really into nutrition and we weren't practicing like healthy eating and good eating habits at home at that point, I was starting to kind of like, you know, just reading stuff about, you know, like grain versus no grain, you know, gluten and just all that stuff that, you know, I started to hear a lot, but I just never really spent any time looking into. And, and so I told the doctor that day, I was like, I'm not taking statins. It's just, it's not going to happen. I'd actually just listened to a podcast on the way to the doctors where just a complete coincidence, but they were talking about statins and the, the host of that podcast was like, whatever you do, man, don't take the statins, find another way. And, and so I told that doctor, I'm not taking the statins, forget about it, and I'll find another way. And so my endocrinologist uh, is like, well, you know, it's, it's a, it could be a life or death situation. So the doctor is like, how about this? Come back in three months. If there's no improvement, you'll, we'll put you on the statins. And if you figure something out in the meantime, you know, maybe, maybe you won't need them. And I was like, okay, great. Uh, so I go home, you know, and my, my wife was at home at the time. She was a stay-at-home mom. You know, we have uh, four four little kids. And uh, 
I was like, you know, I was super, super upset, probably, you know, borderline depressed. I was like, what is going on in my life? I feel terrible. I look terrible. You know, like, I just don't feel healthy. Now they want to put me on statins. Like, I feel like I'm sprinting towards the grave. And, uh, you know, Susan's really concerned. She's like, yeah, we, we got to do something. And and then she kind of started, you know, throughout that day and the next day, start coming up with this, like, hey, so nutrition got you into trouble. Maybe nutrition can get you out. And uh, we really quickly, you know, started adopting a, a paleo diet because that was one of the things that was, you know, we're hearing more and more about. It was at the very early stages of paleo. So before it was like, super cool. And, you know, you have all these things at retail. And so, you know, Susan just, you know, in her fashion, you know, just kind of went to work and start doing all this research and start, started just changing our pantry and our eating habits. And immediately, I mean, immediately I start seeing health benefits, right? Not just losing weight. That was definitely one of them. That was the, probably the biggest one that was immediate, but feeling better, sleeping better, just everything was better. And, and so, you know, like we were doing that for, you know, quite some time. And I would go back to the endocrinologist and the endocrinologist like, oh, wow, you know, you lost 25 pounds in three months and your blood pressure is, you know, it's still not good, but it's a lot better. It's like black and white. What are you doing? And I was like, hey, you know, we just stopped eating grain. That's really the, like, if you were going to try to be like, tell me what you do, tell me what you changed in one sentence, you stopped eating grain. That, that's it. And the doctor's like, that's not possible. You know, like what, I mean, what else? Like, what else? And I was like, nothing else at all. And uh, she's like, well, yeah, that's great. Uh, you know, keep it up. No need for statins at this point because you're improving. Cool. So we do that, you know, for two years, three years and things are getting better and I'm getting healthier. The whole family really is getting healthier, right? So like the immediate benefit is seen in me because of me being able to reduce my insulin consumption and just losing weight. And, and that's, you know, very obvious thing especially when you're so significantly overweight like i was but like even our kids and you know even susan herself you know just feeling better performing better like everything in life was going great and um and you know so we were doing that for some time and you know it got to the point where i kind of plateaued and you know i was picking up different type of exercising you know from running to lifting weights to have you just to kind of break through that plateau but i just felt like at that point it was again like a nutritional thing like i couldn't progress just because like, even though, you know, paleo is really clean and carb, uh, grain free and what gluten free, what have you, you know, there's still, especially nowadays, it's still a pretty high carb consumption just through the way, you know, paleo has developed and what have you. And so, you know, going back to Susan, I was like, Hey, you know, like everything's good. We don't necessarily need to make this change, but you know, we're kind of a family where we're like, we're constantly trying to optimize, like, if, if we're not, a, you know, either we're hundred percent or we're zero percent. And so kind of plateaued on paleo, like what, what, what else can we do? Come on. Like what else can we do to, you know, just get fitter, perform better, be, you know, have more mental clarity. Like there's gotta be something. And, uh, and again, you know, students like, Hey, I just heard this thing about, you know, the ketogenic diet. And I was like, Oh, wow. Never heard of it. What is it? And uh, she's like, well, about a hundred years ago, 150 years ago, maybe, doctors used to prescribe a ketogenic diet to children with epilepsy because there was a relation between eating carbohydrates and seizures. And so eliminating those carbohydrates would, you know, not necessarily eliminate the seizures, but significantly reduce the amount of seizures children were, were having back then. And I was like, mm. okay, cool, cool. Well, I'm not an epileptic, but uh, I am sensitive to carbs, obviously, as a diabetic. And uh, I mean, right. let's, let's try it, right? And that was about three, maybe three and a half years ago now. And at that time, mind you, like keto, like, I mean, nobody's talking about keto. There's no keto items in retail. You know, if you wanted to learn anything about keto, obviously you go online or you talk to your, 
like, you know, independent pharmacist, because, you know, you go to one of the big chain pharmacies, they're like, keto, yeah, don't know anything about it. But you go to your local independent guys that have been in business, you know, 30, 40, 50 years, you know, they'll, they'll talk about it and they had some knowledge. Um, but, you know, nobody was really like, yeah, man, that's do it, man, you're diabetic, it's going to work. Um, and, it, you know, so we, we kind of were on our own. And, uh, you know, just again, like either we do it 100% or 0%. We just dove into it overnight, you know, just eliminating all carbs. I mean, we were, especially like the first few years, we were so unbelievably strict with our ketogenic lifestyle. You know, we were having 20 grams of carbs a day and that's it. And, uh, you know, I don't know. Nowadays, some people might say, oh, 20 grams, you know, that's that's plenty. That's a, that's a good amount. But I'm telling you, I mean, you can eat three large salads and you will have consumed 20 grams of carbs. So it is, it is tricky and you got to make a plan and you got to, you know, be extremely conscious of what you consume. And anyway, so, you know, we're doing that and like it worked immediately, you know, like as a family, again, like everybody's getting fitter, everybody's feeling better. And like the one difference between, you know, keto and paleo that we noticed after a few weeks, is just this mental clarity. Like, I mean, it is just the absolute most amazing feeling your body can ever have it's like i don't know if people you know when people are you know it doesn't matter what diet they're on you know if they're feeling good and they're performing they're putting out you know you feel like ah oh, you know i'm performing at 100 percent. and i've been there i'm sure you guys have been there but it wasn't until i was in the, in the first time in really like a very deep nutritional ketosis where i truly understood what 100 percent output means it is a feeling that i mean it cannot be described it is just you know, the, the energy that you have is unbelievable and there's no crash throughout the day. And so you're just grinding, you know, all day long, whether it's exercise, work, anything. And then when it's time to go to bed, it's like you lay down and it just shuts off and you get an amazing night of sleep and wake up and you're ready to go again. So it's almost a little bit addicting to just feel that good. And, and so again, right, as a family, we're just crushing it and it's, it's feeling good. Everything's good. But after a few years, you know, it's a, you know, all sugar cravings, all grain cravings have gone completely away. Like, you know, so it's like not having desserts, not having sweets is, is, is seriously, it's a non-issue. But, uh, you know, as you know, we have a, a large family that resides in Texas and we get together a lot. And, you know, especially in the beginning, the rest of our families were like, yeah, this is ridiculous. Who would ever consume this amount of fat? You know, we're, we hear you, but we don't necessarily support it. So we go to family dinners, you know, and there's still loaves of bread and alcohol and potatoes and, and, you know, it's fine. You know, we are not people that are, you know, pushing our, our lifestyle onto others and expect them to, to adopt that or, you know, or make it convenient for us. You know, we totally come prepared with our own stuff all the time. So no issue, but you know, the one thing that's just missing was like, you know, just, after you have a dinner and it's a great time, you're sitting around, you know, everybody's eating a piece of cake or, you know, some ice cream. And it's like, you know, we are definitely not partaking in that. And it's, you know, especially, when, especially with the kiddos, the kids are like, oh man, we'd really love some ice cream. And I was like, yeah, I'd love some ice cream too. And, uh, and so eventually Susan was like, you know what, I'll just, I'll just make some keto ice cream. And I was like, well, before you make it, why don't we just go try to buy some? Because it's, you know, I mean, we've never made ice cream. Like we knew nothing about it. Susan just kind of said it. So we, we scoured the grocery stores, natural and conventional, and we could not find any legit low carb ice cream that we were willing to consume. There were some like lower carb options, but like the ingredient label was just gnarly. Just, I mean, it was a paragraph long, you know, it, just things that I'd never even heard of, you know, things I would type in Google and Google was even like, Oh man, I don't know what that is, man. 
So I was like, yeah, we're not eating that. And so, you know, at this point, like we've gone to all the major grocery stores. We're like, we're willing to pay whatever, you know, we're going onto the internet. Like we're going into the dark web looking, you know, like the black market, anybody have any keto ice cream and it just it didn't exist. And so Sue's like, well, here we are, you know, I'll just make some. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, if it doesn't exist at retail or anywhere on the internet, like it must not be possible. And, um, and, you know, we went home and, you know, I couldn't really tell you how Susan made that first batch, but, uh, you know, I walked in the kitchen, she's like, here, you know, she handed me a bowl of frozen, I, I don't you know, I mean, it definitely wasn't ice cream, it was frozen, maybe whipping cream, I, I, I don't know, you know, and I was like, okay, well, so I, and I ate it, and it was amazing, you know, the, the texture was amazing, it was just so rich, it was cold, it was just something we hadn't had in a long time, and so we, you know, especially myself, like, I was just super excited, and uh, Susan really, in enjoy doing it and so she just like every day start making more of this you know frozen heavy whipping cream and eventually it turned into you know she bought like one of those table top uh, ice cream machines you know that the tiny ones and you know so it, like it started turning into like you know actual ice cream like texture and consistency everything was pretty pretty awesome and uh, and yeah it was i mean it was great and we were just making it for ourselves and our friends and family and um what what happened is, you know, I was starting to, you know, let, I was working in natural foods at the time and I was uh, letting some people from work try this ice cream. And uh, one of the, uh, the founders of the company that I was working for is like, you, you guys should uh, start an ice cream company. And, you know, I, was, I remember the first time you told me, I was kind of just chuckling. I was like, that's a stupid idea, actually. I have absolutely no interest in doing that. Um, we have four kids, kids, we, you know, we have a mortgage, like we cannot take on any risk. Like who starts a company, you know, at 33 years old with four kids, like, and type one diabetes. So health insurance, you know, is an absolute must for me. It's like, this is ridiculous. But, uh, you know, I went home and I was like, Hey Sue, you know, this is uh, what happened to work today. You know, here's the feedback. And Sue was like, Oh yeah. Okay, cool. And she, you know, didn't really say anything. And uh, I come back the very next day and she's like, that's it. We're doing it. We're starting an ice cream company. You can help me or I can do it by myself, but I'm doing it. And I was like, okay. You know, so she's extremely aggressive. And uh, so we, uh, you know, so we, you know, we had that one ice cream maker for the tabletop. And then we all of a sudden had, you know, seven ice cream makers for the tabletop. And that's how we made ice cream in the beginning. And we would just sell it to friends and family and, you know, people work uh, with like place orders and we would put it in blank pints and it was a, a huge pain in the ass and you know but it you know people were liking it the feedback was great and i was like okay so i guess we should try to make this a real company you know we had registered an LLC, or susan had registered an llc and we'd named the mammoth creameries but you know we didn't think really outside of friends and family and uh, i was like well i sell food already so i should you know probably try to see if i can sell this ice cream and uh, i went to one of the local co-ops here in town wheatsville and i i walked in with literally a tupperware of this ice cream and i was like hey is, there anybody here that you know is, is in charge of the frozen department and again no experience in frozen and they're like oh yeah you know this guy uh, chris over there that, that's him man you should uh, talk to him and uh i did and i gave him the ice cream out of tupperware and he ate it right there in the spot it's like great we'll take it and i was like what and then it's just like you know from like we had no again we had no packaging nothing they're like and he's just like yeah you know how long how long till you get it here and i was like i don't know you know four to six weeks. And he's like, great. You know, whenever you're ready, just let me know. And we'll put it on the shelf. I was like, sweet. And, 
you know, so then we had to move really quickly and come up with, you know, some type of packaging, which ultimately was like, we just printed sticker and put them on white pints and we found a commercial kitchen and we bought a semi-commercial ice cream machine and, and yeah, we were, we were up and running. And so I was going to work during the day, you know, like a, a nine to five at, you know, at, at the food company I was working at. And then I would come home and we would have dinner with the kids and, you know, put the kids to bed. And uh, soon I would go to the commercial kitchen, 9 p.m. to 3 a.m., Monday through Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, we would deliver ice cream. So it was unbelievably taxing. Like, I, I mean, it was like having a newborn, but just harder because it's like, you know, because I can't, I mean, it was, it was tough and we did it for a while. And it, you know, it got to the point where I went to Susan. I was like, hey, if we're going to do this, let's do it let's go big because I, I can't do this two job thing anymore. And, you know, Susan was getting extremely, you know, overworked and, you know, it, I mean, it was probably one of the hardest things we'd ever done. And, um, and so we're kind of on the fence, like, are we going to really risk it all or, or are we just kind of kind of dial back the ice cream and, and then, you know, and again, we are only selling at the, at the co-op and then we got a, an email from Whole Foods two days before, uh, Thanksgiving. So it was two days before Thanksgiving, 2018. It was Whole Foods saying, hey, we bought your ice cream at the co-op. Super awesome. And we want to bring it in. Can you have it to us in January? So this is in, you know, November. And again, we have no proper packaging. We'd never manufactured the ice cream at scale. And, you know, we had no, you know, no money to start a company at scale, what, what, what have you. And, uh, you know, but in a, in a salesman fashion, you know, I replied to Whole Foods. I was like, totally, it'll be there. And so, you know, I, I, I called Susan. I was like, you need to come home. Whatever you're doing, stop doing it. Come home. We need to talk. You're going to be super excited and pissed, but this is what's going to happen. And she came home and yeah, I mean, she was super excited and super pissed and it all seemed absolutely impossible within the time frame. And, you know, there's holidays, but uh, we, we somehow managed to move just mountain after mountain after mountain and find a co-packer, run trials that were successful and produce this ice cream at scale, as well as get proper packaging, you know, get UPCs, all these little things you got to do to start a company. We just all had to do it really quickly and without any experience as far as starting a company goes. And we were a little bit late to the January deadline at Whole Foods. We were the first week in March, but you know, looking back, it's, it's a pretty amazing feat. Um, and, and yeah, and ever since then, it's, uh, you know, it's been just an, super crazy journey you know we're just kind of holding on for the ride and so, di- so i understand you found a co-packer in tyler texas uh why there yeah so that's actually a, a new manufacturer uh, in that area we had originally found a different manufacturer and again the the re- that was outside of dallas and the reason we went with those guys is and it's it's a a little bit, I don't know, funny, scary, whatever you might call it. But when we're looking for a co-packer, I reached out to, I don't know, let's say 10 different facilities across the country. I'm like, here's what we're trying to do. It's never been done and it needs to happen all really quick. And yeah, what can you do for us? And so out of those 10 facilities, eight of them, you know, were like, yeah, absolutely not. It's not possible. The formulation you sent over will break the machines. We, we don't want any part of it. This can't be done. Like, okay, cool. You know, we're supposed to deliver ice cream in six weeks and eight out of the 10 people that have been doing it for, you know, 50 plus years said it can't be done at scale. Um, and then the other two co-packers, you know, we, we started working with and one ultimately, you know, tried to 
to run a trial and you know the mix is the mix is is different and it broke some of their machines and they were like okay cool uh we don't want to work with you and so we're only had one choice we're like oh god please work and uh they ran a trial and it was semi-successful you know there were definitely some issues um but we were able to fix them and uh yeah and and that that was it and the rest is history so we started making ice cream outside of dallas and uh it, it, it was an experience, you know, not all of it was positive just again, because it's such a unique product. And, you know, that ice cream plant has been making ice cream for a hundred years and they're used to making it a certain way. And now here we come with what seems like a very simple concept, minimal ingredients. I mean, easy peasy, but at scale, it just, it is, a, it was, it was a nightmare because in ice cream, you know, like if something goes wrong with your conventional ice cream, as you manufacture, you know, you add a little bit more sugar, a little bit more gum, you know, this and that. And it, it's really easy to fix any issues within, you know, manufacturing of ice cream. But when you're running our product, you know, they're like, hey, you know, here the, here's the issue that we're running into. It could be easily fixed if we can just add a little bit of sugar. And I'm like, well, no. You know, things we're never going to do is add sugar or add gums or what have you is because that's that's our company. And, uh, you know, we the first few times we, we would manufacture ice cream, we would be slotted for... Uh, you know, I, I forget what it is. Susan runs all of that. But I think it was like for eight hours, you know, you run one flavor for eight hours and then you switch. But, you know, there would be so many issues. We ended up running for like 15 hours at a time for one flavor. And I mean, it was a nightmare. And, and uh, you know, luckily we were able to team up with a, a food scientist that uh, has just been invaluable to, to our company's success. You know, he understood the challenge of not being able to use use gums and sugar and what have you and so he just kind of you know worked on the formulation you know maybe a little bit more of this maybe a little bit more of that and we got it to the point where now we are without a doubt producing the best low-carb keto frozen custard on this planet i'm you know I'm, I'm confident in saying and uh it's important to say here and this is something was a new learning to me when we started this 100 percent, and i think a lot of consumers that are you know, exploring low carb uh, option with clean labels are running into this too. It's, you know, here's the deal, man. When I grew up, I would take a pint of ice cream or a gallon of ice cream out of the freezer. And within minutes, I'd be able to get a scoop out of that ice cream. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. kind of, that's kind of what people expect when they pull something out of ice cream out of the freezer. Well, when we started making our product, you know, even just at the, at the smallest level, when we would pull it out of the freezer, you know, it was, it was pretty solid, definitely more solid than your conventional ice cream. And, you know, at first it would freak me out. I'm like, this is so weird. Why does it do that? Why is it frozen so solid? And, um, and it took us a while, but ultimately the way we look at it, so we've gotten it to a point where it definitely freezes more solid than, you know, your conventional sugar ice cream, but it, you know, it's not an issue. I mean, it, it might take five minutes longer to thaw a little bit before it's perfectly scoopable, but it, it's not really an issue. But the, the question we all, as consumers, I think we need to ask is like, when we put something in our freezer that is 32 or degrees or below, and we put it in there for 24 plus hours and we pull it out and it is not completely frozen, what does that mean for that product? What is inside of that product that prevents this product from freezing completely solid? Because to me now, right, through all these learnings, this is actually pretty interesting. Like, why, why do these products not freeze? And then when you actually look at, like, 
you know, some of your leading conventional ice creams, I mean, the preservatives and, and ingredients in there that are put in there just to prevent it from freezing solid are crazy. Mm-hmm. And, and so, which, at, you know, which again, at first this to us was kind of weird and it seemed, I don't know if it was a concern. It was just something that we'd never thought about. Now it's kind of like, you know, when I pull something out of the freezer and it's not frozen completely solid, I don't necessarily trust it because again, something has been added to this product to prevent it from freezing that way. Right, right. So um, as, so you, you're allowed to use the words ice cream because there's a, there's a legal description yeah. for that. So you have to have dairy, you have to have eggs and some kind of sweetener. Correct. And, and actually, so when we launched a company or when Susan launched a company, we, it was launched as an ice cream company, right? That was, we were a keto ice cream company, but, but working with the manufacturers, you know, who again have, I don't know how many years, 30 plus, 50 plus years of experience in producing ice cream and our food scientists, we quickly learned like, hey, we use, we use such a significant amount of egg yolks that it actually supersedes just super premium ice cream and is actually a frozen custard, which, you know, again, we had no experience with ice cream, then we had no experience with custard. You know, at first that didn't mean much to us. To us, it'd be like, oh, well, custard, love custard. Who doesn't love custard? And that the way it works in the world of frozen desserts, you know, if you can imagine a pyramid, you know, that the very tip being the pinnacle of like the absolutely most premium it can be, frozen custard sits at the top simply because of, you know, the amount of amazing ingredients that go into the custard. And so we're actually really excited that just by default, right, we didn't set out to make a frozen custard. It was a complete coincidence that it turned out to be a custard, but, uh, you know, we're, we're extremely proud of it and also kind of just validates that we just are not willing to cut corners. You know, we are yeah. producing it's, a uh, product. It's a French way of doing it. Uh, contrary to the Italians, when they do uh, ice cream, they don't use eggs in them. The French, right. we use, we start with, a, we basically, it's a frozen custard. Yeah, we do a, um, what you would call a, a sauce here with eggs and sugar in you know cream and then let it age and then and then freeze it and that's what keeps it nice and smooth without adding any gum or preservatives correct so um yeah. it's very similar to french ice cream uh regarding your ingredients uh, can you tell us more about the quality and the sourcing yeah for sure so our ingredients and you know it's, it's another thing it's just from the very beginning, when we started this ice cream, we said, hey, you know, what are some of these these principles? What are some of these things that we want this company to stand for that we would never change regarding what, you know, not, not using sugar, of course, is one of them. But then the other one was, you know, we want to use the absolute best ingredients that we can source and afford to to give to the consumers. And so, you know, we, we source some of the highest premium heavy whipping cream there, there is at market, um, which, you know, to anybody that sources dairy, you know, again, we had no experience. You know, when you go to the grocery store and you buy heavy whipping cream, it's, I don't know, it's $1.50 for the box, seven days a week. When, when you buy dairy at, at quantity, as we do now, it gets really interesting because it's sold on a stock exchange type of thing. You know, one day it'll be a dollar, next day only $2. And, you know, within reason, of course, but uh, it, it's really crazy. And... And so, you know, we quickly learned that we, you know, it's like, wow, this is gonna, 
you know, to buy these premiums to greeters is going to be tough. But again, we had said from the beginning, we are not going to compromise. And so it didn't really matter what they cost. We said, we we're going to figure it out. And so heavy whipping cream is the first ingredient. And our second ingredient, which is super awesome, and nobody else in the country uses this at retail in ice cream or frozen custard, is 100% grass-fed butter. Hmm. Which uh, So the, the dairy comes, you know, of course, U.S. dairy. Uh, the butter is uh, U.S. butter. And uh, we are just super stoked because, like, you know, we, we've experimented with just regular unsalted butter. And, you know, it's, again unless you really try and see the difference, you're like, butter is butter is butter. I mean, it's yellow, it's gonna go in there, it's not gonna make a difference, but it makes a huge difference in, in taste, in, in texture, in you know, the way it looks, the way it smells. And so, so again, you know, grass-fed butter, kind of like this uh, heavy whipping cream that we're buying, it just comes at a premium cost that uh, goes up and down, usually always up, not so much down, but, uh, it is, it's just something we're not going to compromise with. Like, it's just not going to happen. Like we want that for ourselves and we want that to, for, for everybody else, because it's, you know, there's a reason why it's more expensive. You know, grass fed butter comes from grass fed cows, which, I mean, we could break this down and spend hours on this topic, but like starting from soil health and grass fed animals all the way to, you know, the, the type of trans fat that uh, naturally occur in ruminants uh, stomachs, you know, as they, as the process of the milk goes and, uh, and again, it's just to us, it's, it's a no brainer. You know, we've been approached by companies that said, Hey, you know, we can sell you butter on the cheap. It's not grass fed. Nobody will know. And we're like, ah, we're not going to do it. Like it's, it's just not going to happen. And right. so with that is our second main ingredient. Then uh, we're doing a uh, egg yolks, right. And our, we are ultimately when we started the company, we were making our ice cream frozen custard with pastured egg yolks. And mm. it was amazing. And we would get it from a local ranch called Rome Ranch out in Fredericksburg, Texas. And to this day, I mean, if those are definitely some of the best eggs that you can get your hands on in the state of Texas, for sure, potentially in the country. I mean, those chickens live the best life a chicken could ever live. And we, uh, we'd go out there and we'd meet the chickens and we'd help tend the chickens. And I mean, those guys that are running that operation, it is it is absolutely next level. It is nothing yeah. like you'll ever see. We, we've talked to them already. We interviewed them. Ah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's how we started the company. But then at scale, we, we, so we were going to be aware is like, hey, we're going to get these pastured eggs. Uh, you know, even at small scale, they weren't necessarily cheap. And I'm like, it's at scale. I was like, this, this is going to potentially break the bank, but let's see what we can get. But in the United States, we have not found a channel that can deliver the quantities of pastured egg race that are not sugared or salted anywhere. Right. So we are working extremely hard on opening up a new supply chain of that type of egg yolk. And, mm -hmm. and we will get there. There's no doubt that we will get there. It's just gonna take a while. Um, because again, the egg yolk that we buy, it is a non-sugared egg yolk, which to most egg manufacturers like, well, you don't have shelf life. It's like, I know our shelf life for our egg yolks when we buy it is two weeks, right? So yeah. from the second we place an order, they produce the product for us. We have two weeks to incorporate it into our product. And uh, have, have you talked to white oak pastures? Uh, not not about eggs, but uh, now that you bring that up, that's probably somebody we should reach out to. And yeah, they do have chicken as well. They do yeah. have quite a lot of chicken, actually. I don't know if it's going to be enough for you, but yeah so it's it's something to, to evaluate so again you know we're using the absolute pre most premium egg yolk that we can at this point it is 
unfortunately not pasture-raised, but we will get there. It's a company goal. It's part of our mission. And it's just, uh, you know, it's extremely hard because that, that supply chain doesn't, doesn't exist at scale today. Right, right, right. So uh, what flavors do you currently offer? Yeah, so currently we, we have four SKUs, uh, four different flavors. We, uh, we launched a company with two SKUs. Again, right, so we, in the beginning, we just bootstrapped this company. We just paid out of pocket. You know, we, we cashed in our 401ks, we cashed in our savings and just did this all, all on our own. And so we only had capital to really, you know, launch with two flavors. And they were a vanilla bean custard and a chocolate peanut butter. And, uh, you know, I think that was the right thing to do. Some people come to us and they're like, oh, why would you launch with vanilla? Why don't you do something more exciting? You know, something crazy. And, and our thought is, and our answer is, well, because vanilla being the most, you know, simple flavor is going to be the hardest to make because if you can't get the basics right, how are you ever going to make anything else right? You know, it's, it's probably pretty easy to make ice cream that has 12 different flavors in it and a bunch of pieces of chocolate and cookie because what, I mean, can you even taste the ice cream? I don't know. We haven't made it, but it seems like vanilla being so plain and simple, it's actually not simple. It is actually the hardest flavor to make, to, to get right. it just right. Um, and so those were the two uh, flavors we started with. And then just at the end of last summer, we were able to launch two new flavors, uh, which is a just a plain chocolate as, and as well as a lemon butter cream. Uh, and story there is, you know, looking back, launching with a peanut, uh, chocolate peanut butter, we kind of did that because that was my favorite flavor, not necessarily because it made sense for the business. Right. Um, and so we're like, well, if we have a vanilla, we need a plain chocolate. And then a lemon buttercream was just like, Susan just, you know, she's like, I really want a lemon ice cream. I want something fresh. I want something lemon buttery. And, and so that's how that was born. And uh, it is by far one of the most unique custards at retail. And it is, I mean, that lemon buttercream flavor, it is, I don't even know how to describe it. It is, it is silly. It is absolutely amazing. I mean, it is right. so rich, but yet so refreshing. It's, you know, we make it yellow with, uh, with turmeric, you know, which is super awesome because turmeric is super good for you. Um, so yeah, I just encourage you, if you get a chance to, to try that lemon buttercream, take well, it. I hope I will. Um, now you did a good sales job on me. Um, I want to try all of them. <laughs> So yes, when do absolutely. I get when when do I get samples? Well, from since we just learned that you actually you know don't live too far away from us here in Austin, Texas, I think we can make that happen extremely quickly. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> um, what stores are you currently? Are your products currently sold? Yeah, so uh, in in Austin or just in Texas, you know, uh, most of the natural channel. In, in Texas, we'll, we'll have Mammoth Creameries. Uh, Whole Foods has been a, a very good partner for us, not just in the Southwest region, but we also got distribution on the East Coast through them. Uh, we're mm -hmm. about to launch uh, three three additional regions, you know, in the Rocky Mountains, in the Mid-Atlantic, and then out there in the West Coast. And uh, just, you know, really co-ops, independent, smaller independent, natural organic independent stores are really a big share of our distribution as well as we're making some uh, we're gaining some traction in the conventional channel which is super awesome because when we launched this you know with at least a little bit of focus you know at first we had zero focus now we have a tiny bit of focus we're like let's focus only on natural organic because you know that's our consumer this is the pro that's just felt natural i don't know that just felt like that was the direction we we're going to go but the feedback we we're getting from um, the conventional folks was 
was equally as awesome as from natural organic uh, the natural channel and so you know we spent a little time on the conventional channel and had some great success there uh, we, we picked up a, a new partner out in east texas called uh brookshire grocery company i mean it is, mm -hmm. is a very conventional store but those guys get it they see where nutrition is going they understand the challenges they understand the demand and, and they were willing to partner with us in a way that's i guess you would say it's you know, old school store, but new school way of doing business. So it's, right, right. it was, it was amazing working with them. And then, uh, you know, further East, we got some food city, we got Harmon's out in Utah, you know, we got some nugget on the West coast, Lasses on the West coast. Uh, it's, have I mean, you tried is, uh, central market? Yeah, but it's in central market. Absolutely. Uh, we're there today and all of them. So it's, uh, I mean, it's been, it's been great. The, the adoption rate of this product of this, super premium product has just been, I mean, it's been mind blowing. You know, we, for 2009, like we couldn't, so we, Susan's launched the company, you know, on paper in 2017, but we don't, we didn't really, we don't really consider us having to, we started the company in March of 2018 when we started working with Whole Foods because before that it was friends and family and, and you know, a co-op. Right. So mm -hmm. we've been in business at retail for 10 months and the adoption has been, I mean, you know, it's, it's, I don't even know how to put it into words, but it's been overwhelmingly awesome. You know, we, right. we, we're new, so we don't have much historical data for ourselves, but we, we have tons of data compared to, you know, other traditional ice cream companies and, you know, the way of adoption and the velocities on the shelf. It's just, I mean, the consumer is going out there and they're voting with their dollars for what do they love. And so right. far it looks like they love Mammoth Creameries, which is, right. which is amazing because, you know, in the world of, of retail and, and what have you, a lot of companies, especially today, and, you know, in this age, you have a lot of companies coming up out of the ground from nowhere with the sole purpose of being profiteers. They want to go, they want to get on shelf, they want to drive down costs, and they want to be acquired, right? That mm -hmm. is such a moving force for, I would say, 95% of all companies, where, where for us at Mammoth Creameries, it's like, to be profitable, of course is important. Otherwise we can't run a business, but we, we're not profiteers in the sense that we're just going out there for a quick bang and, you know, then walk away from it. We're more of a, Susan and I, you know, look at it as more of a, of, we're more of a marketeers. We want to educate the people of why this is important. And we just want to be able to provide access to people that, you know, are type one diabetics or even type two diabetics, or just people that are sensitive to carbs, if they're keto or not keto. So that is really our mission is just pro to provide the access to a premium product to people that are, you know, sensitive to carbs. Or we have also have a lot of consumers that will write our, you know, we'll, we'll get a little bit of fan mail here and there, but it'll be, hey, I've been a conventional ice cream consumer for 25 years and there was nothing in the world that was ever going to change that until I had some mammoth creameries. So mm. it's, it's not just these people living a specialty diet lifestyle <laughs> or that are affected by maybe a, a diabetes uh, type situation that kind of drives them towards mammoth creamers. It is really a product for everybody. Right, so, right. That, so that, have you found um, somewhat resistance to the price point? Yeah, so that's, that's a good, good point. So in the beginning, in the beginning, when we launched this product, we were selling it at actually more expensive than now. We launched this product at nine ninety nine, and you know it. 
it still feels weird to say like, and when I can picture going to the co-op and seeing ice cream, three ninety nine, four ninety nine, three ninety nine, and then boom, nine ninety nine. I I would look at Susan. And I'm like, listen, people are not going to pay that. You know, like it is. It seems it seems crazy. And you know, as time goes by, you kind of get more. You know, a little bit less sensitive to that. And then you kind of think about it, it's like, you know, why why is our product so expensive? And then you know, I mean, you compare a conventional ice cream or any ice cream, it doesn't even matter to mammoth creameries. The first thing that you'll notice is that every time you pick up a pint of mammoth, it'll guaranteed outweigh any other pint on the shelf because we use the least amount of overrun in our product and overrun is the percentage of air that's mixed into the, the batter in, yeah. in all of ice cream, right? So we have an extreme, so you so right there, you get more bang for your buck. For example, if you can think of a leading low calorie ice cream at retail, um, if you were to buy it and let it thaw on your counter, you know, 24, 48 hours, when you open that lid, you will have about 25 to 45% liquid. Meaning when that pint was frozen, it seemed full, but it was all of air. If yeah. you take a pint of mammoth creameries and you let it thaw, again, the loss of volume at best will be 30%, which is peanuts when it comes to 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 ice cream right. and and us just using you know our ingredients unfortunately come at a price point where we're growing aggressively but we're not at the point where we have much power when it comes to sourcing you know and yeah. and so we're kind of bound still by these suppliers charging us what they charge us but we're hoping to get better so it's already gotten better in a sense when we launched at 899 uh, we've been able to drive down the price to 899 which is right. you know it, it, in retail reducing your price by a dollar that's that is aggressive that is that is a very very big deal and yes but to answer your question people at times are concerned about the price point and, and we are here them. We hear them loud and clear. We are charging eight ninety nine not because we want to become rich because th that's just what it costs with an average margin that the industry has. And right. a lot of the things that we do as this business, we absorb a lot of the cost. And uh, you know, and that's, that's one of the challenges that we face, you know, like do we want to get it to a price point where literally everybody can buy it today and potentially run out of business or do we, try to partner with the consumer that truly gets it. And as we grow with them, we'll be able to reduce that price. So it, it's right, something right. we talk about all the time <clears throat> and we're, and that, pro that price will come down, no question. But right. even for what it is, even at that $8.99 today, it is, it is a fair price for the product that you're receiving with the premium ingredients and the quality of the product. Yeah, you're not one of those high-tech companies that can afford to uh, waste millions of dollars every quarter because, exactly. you know, it, because it's Uber or because it's something like this. So um, okay. I, um, I get it. The, what, what obviously you have a huge advantage, which is the, the dark side of things, is that more and more Americans are turning diabetics so that gives you a huge market. I mean, at the last count is what, 60% of the population is diabetic now? Yeah, at least, yeah, type 2 diabetic. Type 2, yeah. So that gives you a huge base, a customer base. Absolutely. And, and it's, you know, and type 2 diabetes is, is interesting in the sense of, again, multiple things can trigger a type, a type 2 diabetes in, in a person. But I think, 
the majority of people will agree that type two diabetes is usually triggered just by terrible right. lifestyle with bad nutrition choices. So yeah. mammoth creameries can really step in there and, and help you make better choices by not feeling like you're sacrificing anything, right? So that's right, right. that's just a super unique and and we're really, really proud of that because we are impacting people's lives in a way that's like, you know, it potentially could be life or death because especially in diabetics, you know, when I think about diabetes, I just, you know, just get goosebumps just thinking about it. Like the one thing that we really cater to aggressively is, is children that are diabetic, especially type one diabetes, because as a type one diabetic, you know, I've had some clo close calls with high, high and low blood sugar where I was like, hey, you know, that was really, I mean, I, I really thought I was gonna die, you know, like my blood sugar has been so low, I would be flopping on the ground like a fish, it, it was insane. And so to me to think that there are parents out there that have children you know, ages newborn to 10 that are type one diabetic and, and are having to go through this, it's just insane. And so we, we provide a lot of ice cream to those parents so they can give their kids a treat without having to worry about it, you know, which I think that alone is just so powerful because, you know, I don't know if you guys have any diabetes in your family or are familiar with it. Like me imagining one of my children going through what I went through I, I don't think I could hack it, guys. Like, I honestly don't think I could hack it. Like, it, it, it was yeah, no. the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And like, and if we can just reduce that anxiety of a parent or just, or just uh, helping a child just feel better, just for that 15 minutes, you know, we'll do that. We will do that every day. And at the end of the day, we, we don't care what it costs. We'll give it to them for free because again, we're, we're not here to make a quick buck. We're, we're trying to impact people's life and make your life better. And, and, and that, I feel like that's what we're doing. It's early and we're doing more and more of it, but yeah, that's, that's just what gets us up in the morning. Sorry, little pivot here, right. but it's important for right. me to talk about this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <clears throat> are you uh, planning to present your products at food shows? Yeah, we actually, I mean, I just came back yesterday. We're out in uh, San Francisco at the fancy food show. Um, it was great. You know, the, uh, we got to meet a, a lot of new, new retailers, new consumers, as well as meet a lot of existing, uh, you know, retailers that we're working with and, and just ex uh, existing super fans of Mammoth Creamies. It's just so inspiring to go out there. You know, like I'm sure you guys have been at food shows, like food shows are like such hard work, you know, like standing on your feet, 9am, 5pm, cleaning, walking up. Uh, I mean, it is so exhausting, right? Like, especially like day three, you really like that alarm rings and you're like, uh, everything hurts, you know, like I haven't eaten properly in days. <laughs> uh, it's raining outside, but, uh, you know, going out there and just talking to the people and hearing stories, how Mammoth has impacted their life or, or, or it's even better. It's like, you know, having somebody come up who's never even heard of Mammoth, you know, and it's like, Hey, can I try this? You know, what's this all about? We, you know, give them a little brief on this is what it's about. You know, knock yourself out any, any sample you like, of course, and they'll eat it. And it's just like, you just see that light bulb go off in their eyes. They're just like, what the hell? Like where, what the hell? Like, what have we been doing to ourselves? Like these products are out there. Why are we continuously going back to the stuff that's, you know, ultimately sh slowly, but surely going to kill us, you know, like he's like, you know, the, the, my favorite thing that somebody said at this fancy food show, you know, it's like he just had a blank stare and he just, I mean, it's almost like he couldn't even find the words to describe what he was experiencing, but he's just like, you know, you've won a fan for life. And it's like, you know, this is a 
half an ounce to one ounce sample. And for somebody to say that after consuming, you know, probably tons of samples at that show and then coming to our booth by sheer coincidence and then having that type of experience, you know, that, that makes it worth it. Like that is truly what, what we're after. And, and to hear that, you know, it's, it's great. Yeah, it is. It is. Mark, your turn. Okay. Tim, Tim, you've given us a, a very fascinating life story. Um, I just want to pick up on that now. How is your health now? Yeah, it is. So I'm, I'm 35 years old now. And I think I'm the healthiest I have ever been in my entire life. I mean, without a question, um, I sleep better. I perform better. I, I, I'm, I'm happier. Uh, this is definitely, you know, and it's, you know, it's not, I look at this like, damn, I'm already 35, but really I'm only 35. And I feel like I'm at the pinnacle. I'm not even at the pinnacle of, of what I can achieve and how I can feel. And so it's just like, if I were to, not be any healthier than I am right now the second that would I would be totally fine like I'd be like hey in in my life did I can I check the box that I live the healthy lifestyle check I feel amazing but it also just kind of makes you know makes like stirs up this fire inside it's like what else can I do you know like how how much more optimized can I make my life just by being tight on nutrition so yeah so things are going well <laughs> mm, excellent excellent and, and obviously your insulin use has gone right down to you know Oh, absolutely. I mean, insulin consumption from that first year of being diabetic, you know, to now, I would say I've, I've dropped insulin consumption probably by 90%, if not more. Um, you know, the, the greatest thing about this lifestyle is that a little, like back in the day, a lot of insulin would only go a very little way. And now the tiniest amount of insulin goes a big, big way because, you know, my body has become so insulin sensitive that it's, uh, you know, it potentially is operating better than, you know, an average American with a working pancreas, just because I've been able to you know, cut down body fat and just live a lifestyle, an active lifestyle that when I give myself insulin advice, like, got it, know what to do with this, let's put this somewhere, boom. Hmm. Super, excellent. Yeah. And that obviously can give a lot of hope to, to many people if, they've, uh, if they're suffering Absolutely. from any type of diabetes. Any type of diabetes, like as a diabetic, and again, I'm, I'm certainly not a doctor, but I feel like, you know, a doctor knows a lot, but I think the people living it will always know more. Um, yeah. As a diabetic, if you're not feeling 100% healthy or 100% happy with the way you look or feel, being able to reduce insulin consumption should be your absolutely primary focus. Nothing else matters right? The less insulin I use, the better I feel. The less insulin I use, the better I look, the better everything is. And, and I know for sure that, you know, most, if not all diabetics could, could agree to that. So. Excellent. Excellent. So you've given us a, a lot of information. You've given us a fantastic and interesting story. Um, I'm sure most people listening to this are going to want to know where they can get their hands on some of those mammoth creamery ice creams. Yeah, yeah. So the, the easiest way to find out is if you just go to our webpage, mammothcreameries.com. We have a pretty up-to-date store locator, I would say. Um, you know, we are, we're gaining new traction literally daily. So, you know, sometimes we miss some stores, but we do, I think, a pretty good job of, of keeping that thing up to date. Um, you know, Whole, Whole Foods, of course, is, is one of our biggest partners at the moment. So, you know, it's always good to, to start there. But yeah, mammothcreamies.com, look for the store finder. 
and then you know just type in your zip code and uh, it'll it'll pretty much walk you there it's probably one of the, the best ways to do it super are you on social media as well yeah yeah we're uh on uh, on facebook and uh instagram you know uh, the handle is just mammoth creameries um give it a follow it's actually pretty interesting we we post a bunch of relevant stuff you know not just about you know what we're doing as a company but also just stuff within this the low carb community and uh we have a a marketing person who's a extremely talented writer and so we're constantly posting blogs and you know everything just relevant about healthy lifestyle low carb lifestyle exercising and uh you know these blogs are so interesting and so good that I'm always looking forward to new blog coming out and I'll, you know, I'll read it once or twice. I've even learned a lot of these out of these blogs. So it's a, it's definitely an amazing resource. Super job. Now with the customer base that you're growing quite nicely day by day, have people um, come up with some interesting accompaniments to go with the ice cream? Uh, You know, yeah, for sure. We, we've seen some pretty amazing things um i think one of our very favorite things that we've seen and actually we also participated in was we got to cater a wedding like they wanted to have a mammoth creamery's ice cream bar at the at a wedding and you know we're obviously not in food service, but you know, we're like, okay, we'll make this happen. And we, uh, we went out, you know, we teamed up with our manufacturer and we're like, Hey, we're catering a wedding. We need gallon tubs, you know, can, can this be done? Can this be made? And they made it happen. They filled up a bunch of one gallon tubs of ice cream and we had this amazing ice cream, uh, ice cream bar, you know, with, with pecan nuts, almonds, uh, sugar-free heavy whipping cream, uh, sugar-free syrups, uh, you know, blueberries, low glycemic fruits. It was, it was awesome. I mean, <laughs> I wish I could show a picture to you guys, but it was, it was pretty cool. But yeah, you know, consumers love to use, you know, uh, low-carb chocolate syrup or the vanilla, or, you know, we get a lot of pictures with, you know, low glycemic fruits, like, uh, like blueberries is a big one, of course, or, you know, I mean, people get pretty creative. Uh, I think there's actually was one consumer who, who bought the ice cream and kind of turned it into an ice cream cake. You know, I, I'm not sure how, how she did it, but there was a picture of a pretty impressive two layer ice cream cake. And I was like, this was made out of mammoth cream race. And, you know, we got to start getting some requests like, Oh, you guys sell ice cream cakes. I'm like, no, we, we don't. I have no idea how this was made, but, uh, but so yeah, people, people get all pretty creative. And, uh, you know, if you do send us the pictures, We'll repost them. We we love seeing that because it's it's super fun. Excellent. So, how long is it going to be before we start seeing retail spaces open up? You know, with Tim and Susie's ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> a bit you know, like we, the other lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. We uh we've talked about it, you know, and uh, let me think how I can say that without Susan saying that I've said too much, which I know she would be a Don't say anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's something where we've talked about, but I think uh, at this point, it's just, you know, we, we got to have a focus and that's not the focus. That would be distracting to our ultimate goal right now. So five years from now, you know, if, if we, if we hack it, like, will we come back and have a brick and mortar ice cream shop? I would love it. I would absolutely love it. I, I want to do it, but it's, it's just not a focus right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but watch this space, I think, is the, is the thing between the lines. Sorry, Alan, I talked over you. Yeah, no, no it's, it's more important to focus on, on what's growing right now because uh, brick and mortar is still very risky and expensive to, to get going. For sure. 
yeah. for sure. So, and uh, yeah. ice cream is, you know, it's still a fairly seasonal product. So um, yeah. you'll be doing well for a while and then the rest of the time you'd be sitting on your hands. Um, I yeah. know I have experience and, in that, yes. <laughs> and, and, and so that's definitely one of the challenges in all of ice cream. You know, the way we kind of approach that is as far as the seasonality goes, is there seasonality for our product? Of course, anything that's cold in the winter will experience some type of dip. I guess the way we look at it is like, how significant is that going to be? And what can we do to, to offset that? And, and even though we're providing you with a frozen dessert or, you know, what, what have you, it's a, you know, it's, it's more than just a dessert for me, for example, I consume this ice cream as, you know, to help me uh, enhance my performance. I'm a, I'm a runner. And after, you know, a four hour run, I need to consume high, high calorie products that I trust to have premium ingredients. And the easiest way to, you know, to consume a thousand calories or more is, you know, to eat a pint of mammoth ice cream, mammoth previous ice cream. So it's, it's part of my ketogenic diet. Yes, but it actually goes so much further. Right. And, uh, and we've seen pretty amazing responses from, from athletes and, and just other people that are just constantly looking to optimize their output that are like, yeah, you know, I know it's snowing outside, but you know, this ice cream is so much more than just a treat. It's actually something that I consume on a regular basis to help me achieve my performance goals. So it's a, uh, it's been pretty awesome because we never thought of that until we were really faced with that challenge. So. Right. Well, that's the first time I've heard somebody say, I've just been doing sport and I have to eat ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, <laughs> And, you know, and it's one of those things, right? So we've actually gone so far as we have sponsored some trail running races here in Texas. And we're about to, we are, we're going to sponsor a huge trail run uh, in Colorado, in the Rocky Mountains this summer. And people are like, ooh, you know, I just ran 20 miles, like ice cream. Ah, I don't know. But actually the way Mammoth is made in such a rich and decadent but subtle flavor, like you cross that line after 25 miles of just sheer, brutality of nature and you cross that finish line and you eat some of that ice cream it is again it, it even saying it out loud it's kind of god yeah, it definitely sounds weird but as you consume it, it it's not weird like it just it is so good on the palate that you know it's like that first time we sponsored a race we actually we ran out of out of ice cream because it was just such a success so now you mentioned flavors earlier um any new flavors coming up in the future that yeah. you can talk about? You know, maybe. Let me just, I'll just, let, let's see. So we have a massive innovation pipeline that's going to hit this year in 2020 with uh, not just new flavors, but also new concepts of ice cream that are going to be truly innovative. There's nothing like it out there today. And as far as, you know, the first thing that's going to launch are going to be uh additional pint flavors and they're going to launch fairly soon i don't think i can give away d flavors all i can say is stay tuned two to five new flavors launching in the next six months with with two of them rather quickly so just just hang on a little bit longer and just get stoked because these are going to be so next level it is like i'm having an extremely hard time not telling you because i think everybody <laughs> needs to know but i'm sure that uh you know, Susan, Susan would would not not approve, and so we'll we'll just pump the brakes here. <laughs> Okie dokie. 
and and if people have got ideas for flavors, are you open to uh, people oh, suggesting flavors? Totally, totally. One of the one of the two flavors that we're launching is something that we were on the fence about, and because of consumer feedback, it's ultimately where we're like, this is going to be one of the the things we're going to launch immediately. And uh, let's just say, I don't regret we are. It is. It's a game changer. Excellent. Right. So Excellent. if you already put it out on social media, why why can't you tell us? I, so we haven't put the new flavors on social media yet. Oh, uh, okay. So just, yeah, just yeah. the Try, suggestions it, came from there, I guess. Yeah, that, that's where the suggestions came from. You know, I think some at the in the middle of last year, we were like, hey, uh, you know, love to get some feedback from you guys. You know, what what kind of flavors do you guys want to see? And you know, I mean, we got recommendations, a crazy recommendation from, you know, blue cheese to <laughs> to hot wings to to pineapple. I mean, we got. And then none of them are bad, you know, some of them are far out, but none of them are bad. And, uh, and we, we picked a few of them and added them to this 2020 lineup. And, and one of them really particularly stood out and, and yeah, it's, it's going to be in this lineup coming extremely soon. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So fast, fast forward 10 years, what, what do you see yourself doing? Man, in an absolute perfect world in 10 years, let me, let me think. Well, you know, having, having four children, sometimes it's hard to imagine what I'll be doing tomorrow. But <laughs> 10 years, I mean, we would love to, to run, a, run a business that has an extremely positive impact, not just on people, but, you know, the people, the animals that we, that we work with in order to source the ingredients as well as the planet overall. And I would love to be in a position where we can just, where my main focus is, you know, just to, to spread the edu education, why it's important to watch your carbohydrate intake. And, and just, I guess a little on, on a personal side, you know, is Susan and I have been together, you know, I'm 35. We've been together for, for 15 years. So we've been together for a long time. We have four children. So, you know, having children really young, I thought was really awesome. It was a lot of work, but you know, the challenge there from, from me and her was we had to work a lot during, you know, the early years of our children's lives. And I, I don't know if we, I, I'm sure we missed a lot, you know, just because we, you know, we're going even soon with him still going to school. And so I was working three jobs at, at once, you know, just trying to survive in the beginning. And, and if in 10 years, we can be at, at a point where I can just spend a lot of time with my children, assuming they want to in 10 years, which is probably slim chance. But uh, I mean, I would just love to just, you know, not that you can make up for lost time. I just want to spend the, you know, the few years before they completely run off and do their own thing and just, just hang out, you know, and just, just do fun things, build some memories, create memories, you know, climb some mountains, swim in the ocean, what have you. So. Well, I mean, you've got, you've got a good plus over many parents. I mean, how many children can sort of tell their schoolmates, my mom and dad make ice cream. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, Come uh, back for some. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it, it's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, uh, two of our children are, you know, a, a little bit old. We have two young ones and two a little bit older ones. And, uh, you know, every once in a while, our older daughters will, you know, send a text or come home from friends and be like, hey, you know, I was at so-and-so's house and uh, when they opened the freezer, I saw the dead man with creameries in the freezer, you know. And so it's really cool, you know, especially for the older kids because, you know, they, I mean, they saw it and they were able to kind of you know, understand what we put, like, and we, you know, that we built this business truly from the ground up. And they, I mean, they see the struggle every day. And I think they, they appreciate it. And I, I and I hope, 
you know, I don't need it to, to change them on who they are, but I hope it just helps shed a little bit perspective. And, you know, especially in today's world where when you're, you know, 14 to 18 years old, you know, that age group sometimes seems to have a little bit of a lack of understanding what reality is really like. And I'm sure any generation did at that age, but, you know, especially this generation, I feel like a lot of things are not necessarily catered doing, hey, let's work as hard as we can. It's more catered towards like, let's do the least amount we can and just get by. And so hopefully our kids seeing us, you know, me working, you know, nine to five and then nine to three, five days a week will, you know, even if they don't want to do it, which I wouldn't blame them to because I actually didn't want to do it either. But at least it shows them that it can be done. And then if you want to get something done bad enough, you're going to do it. And it just doesn't matter what it's going to take. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Super job. Alan, back to you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, final suggestion, if I may. Um, can you put the nutritional values of your products on your website? Yeah, I saw your note. And you know, it actually is on the webpage. It is under it the is. products. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's all there. Okay. Um, so oh, it's... I, uh, didn't, I, but it, I didn't find it. But if you didn't see it, so maybe we need to revisit that and make it more visible, or maybe we need to just do something to do a better job to have it be more right. in the forefront, but should be there. Okay, cool, cool. So um, do you have anything else to add? Or should I do the closing? Well, the, the only thing, you know, or a couple of things, I guess. Thank you very much to both of you for, for having me on, giving me a, a little bit of time to, to, to share the story. Um, it means a lot to, to me and I know it does to Susan and, and everybody involved with Mammoth. So, so thank you very much. I mean, there's so many people out there that you can talk to and you guys giving me the time is, I mean, it's extremely humbling and I'm extremely grateful. So, so thank you for that. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, we'll, yeah. And, and uh, I guess the other thing, you know, uh, we'll be doing some trade shows this year. You know, if, if anybody is at a Expo West in Anaheim, California, come, come March, you know, please stop by. We'll be there. Um, and, are you going to yeah, be yeah. at? Are you going to be at uh, KetoCon? Oh, we will definitely be at KetoCon. It'll be our third year. And oh yes, I'm glad you bring that up, Alan. If you're at KetoCon, you definitely want to come to Mammoth Creameries because we have something that we have uh, worked on with the people from KetoCon as well as some other CPG companies that is going to be first of a kind at KetoCon this year, and it's going to be. Well, let's just say it's going to be off the hook. So, <laughs> so if you're at KetoCon, make sure you come to Man the Mammoth booth and, and just be ready for something right. that has never been done at a food show. So, Right. Have you considered paleo effects or is it too late for that? No. So we, oh man, so I, I, I've been to paleo effects many times and we really want to go there, but uh, they, they won't have us because the only type of dairy that they accept into their show is, a, is raw dairy. And oh, our product okay. does not have raw dairy, unfortunately. And so we, we, uh, our, our type of product is not a, cannot be part of the show, unfortunately. You know, we've, mm -hmm. we've asked if they would you know, reconsider just because it's so relevant, but yeah. we, we haven't been able to break down that barrier. So maybe with some more time or, you know, if you have any connections there, please feel free to, to share and put in a good word. But yeah, we'd, we'd love to go because PaleoVex is just, I mean, it is such a staple and it's a, it is just so relevant and so important to health food in, in general. It, you know, we don't, good. we do not love not being there. So. Okay. All right. 
Well, maybe we can convince him next year. Yeah, for sure. So here it goes. Uh, thank you again, Tim, for being on the Low Carb Paleo Show. And as we say in Texas, à votre santé, y'all. <laughs> now, you're in Texas, Tim, aren't you? I mean, you must hear that all over the place. Uh, I mean, multiple times a day.